Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Those of you who were around in the 1970s might recall a female singer who had quite a few hits during that decade. Her name was Helen Reddy, and I believe she was Australian. She recorded for Capitol Records, and the first record, the first song that came to my attention as a very young kid was around 1971, and it was a song from the musical Godspell, and the song was titled, I Don't Know How to Love Him. She followed that up in 1972 with I Am Woman, which was a huge hit, and the women's movement used that as their anthem for a long time. Every couple of months, Helen would release a new song, and it would do very well on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. In 1973, she released an album titled Long Hard Climb, and there was a single by the same name on that album, and I want to share some of the lyrics from that song with you now. Hasn't it been a long, hard climb? Everything taking its own sweet time. And hasn't there been some long, lonely nights when you didn't think that anything would turn out right? Well, folks, the long, hard climb is over. There is a long road ahead, but I think we've reached the top now, or at least we have reached a plateau, a significant plateau on our way up to the top. But I suspect the climb ahead probably will not be as hard as it has been. And of course, I am talking about the fact that President number 45, the former President Donald Trump, was finally indicated yesterday. That's what he said. Not my word, his, not the word of the district attorney's office in Manhattan, but the former president himself in his truth social post said that he had been indicated. I am assuming what he meant to say was indicted, but who knows for sure, right? (laughs) Anyway, it happened. It happened. It happened on Wednesday, March 30th, 2023, the long, 
hard climb to finally holding a man responsible for some of his actions finally, finally happened yesterday. And if you're interested in that, and I'll bet you, I'll bet you are, because there's a lot of interest in that right now. Stay tuned because I have more for you. Episode 138, The Long Hard Climb to Indicated. Let's play Let's Make a Deal. You've got nine doors and you have to try to guess what is behind each door. Now your options are a couple of things. You have, first of all, the DOJ investigation would be behind one of the doors. And then there's the Mar-a-Lago investigation, which is behind one of the other doors. There's the Fulton County District Attorney investigation behind one of them, the New York State Attorney General behind one of them, E. Jean Carroll is behind one, police officers are behind yet another, Peter Strzok is behind one of the doors, which leads to the DOJ behind another door. And then you've got the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation behind one of the doors. So you've got a total of nine doors to choose from. Which one do you think has, oh, let's just pick one. How about the Manhattan District Attorney? Well, I can tell you right now, he is behind door number one. He'll hit the first door. Now, we already know that there is an indictment behind that door, but we don't know specifics about that indictment because it remains sealed. So we have to kind of play a little bit of a guessing game here. My point is, that there are nine doors and these are just these are just some of the legal issues that are surrounding Donald Trump there are others but these are kind of the big ones so yesterday afternoon we found out that the Manhattan district attorney Alvin Bragg would be the very first person in history of our in the history of our country to indict a former president. And you know, that takes guts. It does. Nobody wants to be the first at anything. So extra points for that. Now, we have heard immediately folks on the right are talking about the Soros-backed New York District Attorney. The Republicans, in case you haven't noticed, are 
dare I say it? I guess I'm going to have to. I've already said it before. They are, um, well, they're racists, uh, anti-Semites, homophobes, all of the things that basically they're not supposed to be, according to the Bible, which they want to pretend that they're all Christians, but they don't act like Christians at all. I guess their supporters are not supposed to notice that. So anyway, um, apparently there are 30, over 30 charges on the indictment. Uh, nobody knows for certain how many. I've heard 34, but nobody knows for certain. And they apparently involve misdemeanors as well as felonies. And I can tell you that last night on the uh, Stephanie Rule Show, I think it's called The 11th Hour on MSNBC, uh, Stephanie had Michael Cohen's attorney on the show. Michael Cohen, as you probably recall, was Donald Trump's former personal attorney for a long time, like 10 years. And Michael Cohen was um, has already been put in prison for activities related to the payoff of Stormy Daniels, which was done to prevent any news of that affair coming out before the election in 2016. It was by cush money. And that kind of is against the law. That's definitely skirts some legal issues right there. But it's more the way that the payoff was handled and the way that it the accounting was done for that payoff and how Donald Trump reimbursed Michael Cohen, because apparently Michael Cohen paid off Stormy Daniels out of his personal funds. And if I recall correctly, he had to take out like a second mortgage on his condo or on a house or something in order to get the money to do it. And then Donald Trump paid Michael Cohen back later for his expense. And it's my understanding, there was one check that we've all seen that was, I think, $35,000 that was written to Michael Cohen and signed by Donald Trump, and it came from his personal account. But there are other checks that apparently came from one of the Trump business accounts, and it was classified as reimbursement for legal fees, which would be a lie. So. Um, I think that's part of the problem right there. So anyway, <laughs> um, there's, it's really hard to determine what could be in there, but the attorney for Michael Cohen is a guy by the name of Lanny Davis. And on Stephanie Rule's show last night, Stephanie asked him, why has this taken so long. And Mr. Davis had to be careful 
in his response, but his answer to her was that there were a lot of details involving this case with the Manhattan DA and Donald Trump that the public is not aware of yet. And he said the details are so numerous that it has taken a lot of time to go through all of the little outlets and check all of the little <laughs> all of the little um, fingers that come out and go to a certain person or a certain entity or whatever, and they've got to check that out. And then sometimes apparently that could lead to something else, which meant more time to do research. The impression he left me with is that the Manhattan DA's office has been extremely careful in their research. They have dotted all of the I's, they've crossed all the T's, they've checked and double-checked and triple-checked and rechecked again to make sure that they have everything 100%. They did not want any mistakes. And he said that just flat out takes a lot of time. So we're not going to have an indictment with just one little thing on it about paying off a porn star for sex to keep it quiet from the public. But honestly, at this point, would that have mattered to Trump's supporters? Would they have turned from him if they had known that he'd done that? Keep in mind, his wife had, I think, just given birth to their son, Baron, when this happened. So Melania's wife, number three, and he has cheated on all of his wives. All of them have given him children, and he's thanked them for that by cheating on them. Nice guy. Heck of a guy there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Now, apparently, we're not really sure how all of this played out because we don't have a whole lot of official news. The Manhattan DA's office has been very professional in the way they've handled this. We had the false start week before last when Trump, was it two weeks ago that he tweeted that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday, which we now know was just a complete lie. Because since this indictment happened yesterday afternoon, sources in the Trump circle said that this indictment yesterday surprised everybody. It took the family and Trump and his attorneys by surprise. So if it surprised them yesterday, they surely were not expecting an indictment two weeks ago, right? So it seems like that might have just been an attempt to, oh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> get some uh, donations from his poorly educated supporters who surprisingly still have money available to give him. So anyway, um, the apparently what the Manhattan District Attorney's Office was planning on was they were going to indict Trump yesterday afternoon, and they wanted to do an arraignment today on Friday. But the Secret Service apparently said, not so fast. We have to have uh, some time 
to, you know, they have to make sure that the guy is safe. So apparently Trump's Secret Service people are going to meet with New York officials today to discuss Trump's arraignment and his, you know, and the possible security threats surrounding his arraignment. There has already been a presence around the New York courthouses and and, and places where he will have to go. So they're saying that he probably won't be taken in through the front door and there probably won't be what they call a perp walk where they show him being walked down the hallway in handcuffs surrounded by law enforcement, that they probably will have his Secret Service detail um, cordon off uh, an alleyway or a back road or something, and he'll go in a side door and be processed kind of in the back. And honestly, I kind of feel like at this point, Trump wants a big old spectacle about this whole thing because he's already talked about, he's kind of wondering what kind of an expression he should have on his face and what he's going to wear and all of that. But I I don't think they're going to let him have that. Probably what we're going to see is possibly somebody might be able to catch him arriving and walking into the building from a distance. And then uh, there'll be a mugshot, which I assume will be released to the public and perhaps leaving. Um, I'm sure that they're going to show Trump's jet taking off from the airport in West Palm Beach to head to New York. And they'll probably show it landing and they'll probably show the motorcade and the whole bit, which Trump loves. And once again, the press just prostitutes itself to show Trump as much as possible. It's like during the campaign back in 2016, when the press would have live on air, they would show a picture of an empty podium because Trump was expected at some point. Or they would show the airport because his plane was expected to arrive. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton was having a rally with tens of thousands of people, and they barely even talked about that. And we we know that the, what was it, the president of CBS, was it Les Moon, Moonves, Moonves, something like that, commented that it was just great for business, something to that effect. They were making lots of money off of Trump. Let's hope that the news media doesn't continue to prostitute itself over Donald Trump yet again. And if you're going to do it, put it in context that he is a crook and he is a liar. He didn't accomplish anything that he said he was going to accomplish. Said he was going to actually, he wasn't going to be very popular with his rich friends because he was going to raise their taxes. Remember that? He said they were going to ra- he was going to raise their taxes during the campaign. And the one big thing that he really did accomplish during his presidency In the four years, the one thing he really did accomplish, other than destroying relations with foreign nations, except for Russia, probably, and North Korea, uh, the one thing that he managed to accomplish was he raised the deficit by almost $8 trillion in four years, 25% of our total national debt since the beginning of time, since the beginning of becoming a country. 
25% was during the Trump years. And um, a lot of that was tax cuts for the wealthy, for Trump. He cut his own taxes. He cut taxes for his friends, even after he told his supporters that he was going to raise their taxes. He lied. He lied. He lied. He lied. It's all on videotape, every bit of it. If you don't believe me, if you happen to be a Trump supporter and you're screaming at me right now, go check it out for yourself. He is on videotape at his campaign rallies telling his supporters that, oh, his rich friends are not going to be happy with him because he's going to raise their taxes and he's going to raise his as well. Well, he did exactly the opposite. He took you for a ride and then he left you out in the rain wet and exhausted with no food, and he laughed at you while he was inside dry, enjoying himself, throwing ketchup on the fireplace mantle, eating um, Big Macs, and watching you guys freezing your butts off out in the freezing rain uh, outside. Sorry, but that's that's Donald Trump, and if you guys want to deny it, I guess that's fine, but that's that's who he is. So anyway, that's what's going on. Now, there are some questions surrounding this whole thing. Now that the indictment is indeed imminent, uh, the indictment has officially been filed. So it is a real thing. So we know what's behind door number one on Let's Make a Deal, but the door is still closed. And as of right now, as of this moment, the door remains locked because the indictment is sealed. Okay. But CNN is reporting that Trump has been criminally indicted on 34 counts. So I'm assuming that they have probably verified that somehow. 34 counts, folks. 34 counts. And we know that some of them are felonies. That is significant. So what exactly does this mean now? Since he's running to be the president, uh, how does this all happen? Stay tuned. I'll tell you. So the very next thing that's going to happen is that Trump will have to present himself in New York for arraignment. And at that time, the judge could very well put some restrictions on Trump. He might seize passports or he could restrict travel, uh, perhaps advise Trump that if he's going to leave the state of New York or maybe the state of Florida, he has to let the court know ahead of time where he's going and the purpose of his travel. It's hard to say. He can also tell Trump that he cannot discuss this particular case to other people. He could put a, I don't know what, the, I don't remember what the legal term is for that, but there's a legal term for it. Just depends on what they are expecting, I guess, or, or what they're trying to prevent. It, it would seem to me that with the, <laughs> 
the things that Trump has already done to incite violence and anger against, well, against judges. I mean, the, the attorney general, uh, I mean, not the attorney general, the district attorney in New York, Alvin Bragg, he's already threatened him. So I would hope that the judge would tell Donald, uh, we do not want you posting anything that could incite anyone. We don't want to hear anything about death and destruction anymore, because if you do that, we may have to, uh, I don't know, lock him up. I don't know. Anyway, so can Donald Trump continue to run for the presidency during this? Yes, he can. What happens if Donald Trump wins the presidency and he is also convicted? Can he still be president? And apparently the answer is yes, he can. However, if that happens, Congress could act immediately to impeach him and remove him from office. Yeah. It's kind of insane, isn't it, that somebody who has done all of these things could still run for office and get reelected? What's really scary is that there's enough people that would still vote for him. I don't, I don't understand what's wrong with people, other than I think they are in a cult. Um, so nothing really changes other than we have finally crossed that line. We have jumped the hurdle that has been in place for so long. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of people who thought that this day would never come. Members of his family, like Mary Trump, just how look at all the stuff she's had to put up with and for how many years. People he's done business with that have known that he's a crook because they saw it firsthand. There's a lot of people in New York that were just shaking their heads saying, how could anybody vote for this guy? Because they know who he is. They know what he is. And they've known it for a long time. So anyway, and of course, the Republicans are already taking sides. They have already determined that this is uh, it's just a, it's a witch hunt. Of course, the thing is, is the Republicans don't know what's in this indictment either. They don't have a crystal ball. So all of these folks like Jim Jordan and uh, oh, Ron DeSantis said that he wasn't going to cooperate with any extradition to New York from Florida. He didn't really mention Trump's name. He just kind of said he wouldn't do that because this whole situation is just ridiculous in his opinion. Well, Ron DeSantis, you're a governor, and didn't you graduate from Harvard? So you're an attorney. Should you not understand that the Constitution actually requires you to cooperate with other states with extraditions? You don't have a choice. It's not up to you. I understand, DeSantis, that you think you're a little dictator. Well, you are little, and you are fat, and you are ugly, and you are a racist, but you're not a dictator. And I kind of feel like a lot of the people in Florida are going to wake the heck up. Anyway, you don't have a choice in the matter, and of course, your point is moot because Trump's attorneys 
have indicated that he is going to turn himself in. He's not going to flee, at least if he's planning it, we don't know. I mean, they probably wouldn't say that in public, right? But he's not going to fight extradition. He's going to appear. So your point is worthless, basically. It's just another attempt at putting yourself in the limelight. Don't want uh, anybody else to have too much publicity, do we? But all of these people like Jim Jordan uh, have somehow determined that uh, the uh, Jim Jordan was, was calling it unlawful political interference. Um, no, I'm sorry, the Manhattan DA, I guess, slapped Jim Jordan down. But Lindsey Graham, Jim Jordan, everybody has been on social media, on television, everywhere, talking about how this is a witch hunt and it's not right and it's not, it's unjustified and all of this. And again, they don't know what's in the indictment, so they can't really judge it at this point, can they? They don't know. So they're basically full of it. <laughs> just to put it mildly, they're, they're basically just full, of, just full of it. And of course, we've had back and forths between members of Congress and the House of Representatives and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office because they are trying to interfere with this investigation, and that's not right. And of course, we know that uh, Jim Jordan is very likely involved in some of the January 6th insurrection stuff. So I think they know that uh, justice has perhaps taken one big step closer toward them. And I've been telling them on social media, something wicked this way comes and it's looking for you, basically. So um, anyway, yeah, there have been several letters back and forth and back and forth and back and forth between the um, various chairs of committees in the House of Representatives, which do not have any say or oversight over state things. And this is something that's important to point out. These are state crimes and state charges. And what that means is no president can come in now and do a pardon for Trump. Because a president can only pardon for federal crimes. These are not federal crimes. These are state crimes. Now, sometimes state crimes may lead to federal charges. But a president can't do anything about state charges. And if he is found guilty, those will remain intact regardless. So, so much for that, huh? And uh, Biden's office, the White House, has basically refused to even uh, comment on the Trump indictment. Um, Joe Biden left the White House this morning and was asked multiple times about uh, the uh, uh, Trump indictment, and he declined to uh, comment.
So, so there's no, there's no statement from Biden on it at all. And really he's not involved in this. He is uh, the president of the United States of America. He has a lot of things on his plate and he has so far allowed the justice department, the department of justice, and the states to do their own investigations uh, free of any pressure, unlike during the Trump era where we had, uh, oh, let's see, what was it? You know, this is the thing that really irks me about Jim Jordan and all of these nutbag Republicans who are on committees in the House of Representatives right now. They are investigating the weaponization of government agencies by the Biden administration. There is no weaponization of government agencies by Biden. That happened during the Trump administration. And one of the ways that it happened was you might recall that during the Trump administration, Michael Cohen was in prison because he was convicted of doing this little thing with uh, hush money. And because of COVID-19, if I recall correctly, he was released from prison to go and he had to stay in his house unless he got approval or notified the court ahead of time that he was going to have to go to see his attorney or go to a doctor or whatever. I think he probably had an ankle one of those monitors or something. And then Trump found out that Michael Cohen was writing a book, a tell-all book, if I recall correctly. And next thing you know, he's back in prison. And William Barr was involved in all of that. And the... Department of Justice was doing an investigation into some of these dirty little deeds surrounding the Trump campaign and Donald Trump and his people and all of that. And all of a sudden, the investigators in the Department of Justice came up with some things that were leading to Donald Trump. And when William Barr found out about it, he said, whoa, hold off. No, no, drop it. Just drop it right now. You think maybe that's weaponization of the uh, Department of Justice by the Trump administration? I definitely think so. Definitely. And then there are the, the there's the retaliation of the ambassadors who spoke up against Trump, the military personnel spoke up against Trump that all lost their jobs. Uh, is that not retaliation and weaponization? I think it is because it involved the military and ambassadorships and yeah. So spare me on the weaponization of government by the Biden administration. If you guys want to look into the weaponization of government agencies, you need to go back to the Trump years. Before I close, I want to add just one more thing. Since the news of Donald Trump's indictment by Alvin Bragg, we have heard 
accusations coming from the Trump camp about the connections between George Soros and the Manhattan District Attorney. And they're not true. When a Republican mentions Soros, that is a veiled attempt at saying Jewish. And they are anti-Semitic, period. There's no, no doubt about it. So since this uh, decision to indict became known to the public yesterday, a lot of folks, including the former president himself, and other prominent Republicans, like, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, um, have basically said that, um, um, well, Trump claimed in one of his statements that uh, Alvin Bragg was, quote, handpicked and funded by George Soros, end quote. And they're saying that this is politically motivated. Okay. Well, here's the problem. These charges, this indictment, comes from a grand jury. And the grand jury is made up of citizens. And they usually do not take that job lightly. They realize that they have a very important role to play. And I don't believe that it would be easy for a district attorney or prosecutors to fool a grand jury because that's the whole point of a grand jury. They're supposed to ask questions and the district attorney has to prove to them, the prosecutors have to prove to the grand jury, this is what happened. The grand jury is kind of like the jury in a courtroom. They have to make sure that what is being discussed is accurate. And people will say, well, you know, the prosecutors pick the grand juries and, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. People that are on a grand jury, from what I understand, have normally taken their role very seriously and they try to not be partisan in their choices if it involves a politician. So let me tell you a little bit about George Soros, okay? And let me also point out to you that for every George Soros on the Democratic side of the aisle, there are multiple George Soroses on the Republican side of the aisle. It's not like there are not wealthy billionaires pummeling the Republican Party with huge amounts of money. So don't they act like this is a unique thing and it's not at all. Anyways, Soros is indeed a longtime supporter of Democrats. He also has backed liberal causes and prosecutors who um, promote criminal justice reform. And because of the fact that he has supported Democrats, progressives, he has been attacked repeatedly 
uh, and has been a target of anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And they want you to believe that this Jewish philanthropist is behind a whole bunch of things that have been going on all over the world. He's just really incredibly powerful. And they're making it sound like Soros somehow put Bragg into his office. So apparently the bottom line, according to a Soros spokesperson by the name of Michael Vachon, Soros did not make any direct contributions to the 2021 campaign for Alvin Bragg's um, election. And apparently the two men have never once communicated in any way. Okay, so no direct contact between Alvin Bragg and George Soros. The only way that Soros is affiliated with Alvin Bragg is through other entities. He has been a donor to political action committees, and that political action committee or committees in turn, in part, supported Bragg's candidacy. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, some of the facts uh, regarding this pack. Apparently, Alvin Bragg graduated from Harvard Law School. Gosh, he is uh, a graduate of the same institution that uh, Ron DeSantis graduated from. Hmm. And he's a former federal prosecutor and a formal, former chief deputy attorney general for New York State. And he won uh, the primary, the Democratic primary for the Manhattan District of New York um, for the district attorney in 2021. And he basically beat the heck out of the Republican in that general election. And Bragg's campaign was supported by uh, political action committees that were affiliated with Color of Change, which is a nonprofit advocacy group. And um, that's uh, a group that was co-founded by Van Jones, which you might recall as being a commentator on CNN. Anyway, um, the um, Color of Change PAC, which has uh, backed progressive district attorney candidates around the country because their focus is uh, they want criminal justice reform and they want other racial justice things to be addressed because we have a problem in this country, obviously, as we've seen with law enforcement and criminal justice surrounding people of color. And uh, that PAC uh, spent around $500,000 supporting Bragg's campaign. So. Soros donates money to PACs and organizations uh, that he feels are working toward the same things that he would like to see happen, which happens on the Republican side all the time as well. They act like this is some big conspiracy, and it's not. Who's the guy in uh, 
Las Vegas that died that owned all the casinos was it Adelman Adelson? <laughs> How many millions of dollars did he give to Republicans? And of course, we'll not mention the guy by the last name of Thiel, T H I E L, who had hundreds of millions of dollars or billions or whatever, and they all went to conservatives. So come on, guys and gals, because yeah, there's gals, Elise and uh, Marsha among a couple of them. And, uh, um, of course, the head of the RNC, the RNC chair. But they act like this is, you know, just horrible. And it happens on their side all the time. But, of course, they're hypocrites, so they don't address that. So, anyway, there's just really nothing to that. And the attacks by the Republicans are, without question, anti-Semitic and anti-Black, period. So when you hear them say Soros with that disgusting tone in their voice, that's their way of being anti-Semitic. And on that, I'm going to let you all go. I know everybody's going to have a podcast about uh, the events that are going on, and I'm sure that there will be more information forthcoming. So I'm going to keep this as short as possible and say goodbye for today, or at least goodbye for now. I appreciate your time. I hope you have a great afternoon and evening and a good weekend. The next scheduled podcast of Federal Andy will be for tomorrow on Saturday. Unless, you know what, something else happens. I may have to hop on this afternoon and do something else. Who knows? I had another podcast ready to go. And I decided to just delete the whole thing and start over with the news here uh, from yesterday afternoon. Take care, unless you have other plans. Have a great whatever evening, weekend, and I will talk to you again soon. I appreciate your time very, very much. Subscribe. You'll get notices of new episodes before anybody else. I'm really bad about posting this stuff on Twitter. And so it's usually a couple of days behind. I've probably got three or four episodes right now that I need to put on Twitter. So if you subscribe, you uh, will know about it as soon as it's available on your platform. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy. And I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week. Mm-hmm.